you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Come on, anybody understand what they were just singing about? The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous, that's me and you, The righteous run therein, and when we do, we find safety. In the midst of all chaos in the world, the name of the Lord is our refuge and our strength. Come on, somebody, give him praise this morning. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I'm glad I know the Lord. I have him to trust, to depend on. I want to put a little plug in for the service tonight. You're not going to want to miss tonight. Many of you may be aware that my wife will be having a very major and invasive surgery on Tuesday. And it's going to take her down for a few days. So while she is strong... Before she enters into this little season, I believe the last season of struggle that she's going to have to go through. The Lord has given her a word and she's going to be speaking to us tonight and you're not going to want to miss it. Amen. I'm excited about hearing the word of the Lord this evening and we do covet your prayers this week as she is facing this last stint in this journey in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Glad to see the Griffiths home. I usually means good weather's on the way. Home from there. I hope too, Brother Griffith. I hope too. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles today and would turn with me to Mark chapter 11, and I'm going to begin with verse number 4 of Mark chapter 11. 11. I'm glad you're here in the house of the Lord. You all look good this morning. I hope you feel as good as you look. You should look at your neighbor and tell them how good they look this morning. You don't have to lie to them now. I just said tell them how good they look. Mark chapter 11, verse number 4. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loose him, 
And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus hath commanded. And they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him. And he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, this is a very fitting text for this service. This is the text from which we gather the idea of Palm Sunday. And the world recognizes Palm Sunday, the Sunday that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a colt. They spread their garments and they waved palm branches and put them down as a road. For Jesus to come in and they cried, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. But there's a lot that happens in this text. And I want to extrapolate out of this text one little piece. And it is in the fourth verse where the scripture said they went their way, they find a colt that is tied by the door without. It's on the outside of the door and they go to this place where they were told to go and find the colt tied there. And the scripture said that this place is a place where two ways met. And then they loosed him. It was a place where two ways met. It was an in intersection, a place where two ways met. By the help of the Lord this morning, I'm going to preach where two ways met where two ways met. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we need you this morning. God, I need you this morning. And I need the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Let your spirit and your power speak to your people this morning. God, accomplish the purpose for which you have sent your word today. Lord, allow it to find its place in our hearts. Lord, if there be one today that is lost in his journey, let him find his spot in this intersection of life. God, where you are calling for them in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. God bless you this morning. You can be seated. How many of you know that there has always been a struggle between the flesh and the spirit? It's a constant warfare. The Apostle Paul talks about it, probably writes about it about as much as he does any other thing in his writings. He talks about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. He says things like, the things that I would do is the things I ended up, the things I want to do are the very things that I end up not doing. And then he says, then the things that I don't want to do, that's the very things I end up doing. And he, he goes on through this. There's a lot of discussion in Scripture about the struggle between the flesh and the Spirit, even all the way to the point of Gethsemane where Jesus is praying. And remember in that text where Jesus is praying and he says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, what did he say? Not 
not my will, but thy will be done. It's the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And people have often asked, who was Jesus praying to? It's the flesh. It's the struggle of the flesh and the spirit. So there's this, this battle. The same is true with the battle regarding worship. There has always been a battle over worship. Worship has always been a struggle. And the struggle of worship is not necessarily the object of worship. Most of us understand and know. You can go, I could speak on a lot of different things this morning and talk about putting God first in your life not worshiping other things more than you were worshiping God. We could, we could make a God out of anything in our life. You, you could make a God out of, of, of your hobby. You, 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 can, you can make sports your God. You, you can make money your God. You, you can make whatever hobby you may have, you can, you can make it your God if you put it first in your life. And, and, and of course, the Scripture clearly tells us that, that He's a jealous God and, and that we're to put Him first, have no other gods before Him. And so th- there is a, a thread all through the Scripture in this battle between the flesh and the Spirit and, of course, then the battle regarding worship because worship has also always been tied to this, this human struggle, this human struggle of the flesh wanting to say, no, I, I'm, I'm concerned about my appearance, what somebody may think about me, my reputation. There's always been, there's a thread all through Scripture uh, where even the flesh, uh, David's own wife, struggled with the way David worshipped. And, and he, he battled with that whole idea of worship. And, and the, it was an ongoing battle. And, and that battle still rages today. It is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. We know that God is to be the object of worship. We know that, that he requires our praise and worship. And we know that he dwells in praise and worship. And yet we still all battle. Sometimes it is an emotional struggle or maybe a physical struggle where we, we just don't feel well. It's, it, 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 is, it is a worship that cost us something this week. I, uh, I've been on a project at my home for the last three or four weeks and, and, um, and so uh, I started doing a tile project and um, I, I'm not a, a, a professional tile layer uh, by any means, but I thought I can do this and, and was running a little against the clock and, and so decided that I would get into this. And, and uh, so I was running up and down the stairs and cutting a piece of tile, running in, running out, going up. I'm, I'm, I'm trialing and mixing and, and placing and pulling and turning and, and standing in awkward positions. And I, I made it through the first day okay, but when I woke up the next morning, I, I felt those stairs and I felt everything. I, 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 uh, ibuprofen's been my friend. And, and thankfully, Dylan showed up in the evening and helped me and Chad and Evan showed up and, and I got a little help and these guys kind of bailed uh, this old guy out as I was trying to get through to the other side. And even, I have to tell you, even, even yesterday, uh, I, I actually found Chad laid out on the floor and I said, is your back hurting? He said, no, it's my knees. 
Because what happens in, is the old, the old body, you know. We, and so I come in here this morning and they say, clap your hands. And I'm like, oh, there's, there's a struggle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's, it starts being a struggle. And it's not that I don't know what to do. It's that, wow, this has costed me a bit this morning uh, to clap my hands. And, and, and it's cost. Uh, worship it will cost us. That's why the scripture declares that uh, I believe it was David that said, I, I won't offer unto the Lord that which cost me nothing. Uh, I, when I, my praise and my worship is costly and there's always a battle between, between, our, between our flesh and our spirit knowing that we are to worship and yet struggling with our emotions because we don't feel like it emotionally or we don't feel like it physically uh, or, or we're just not there spiritually and, and, and there's this struggle and this battle over worship that has that has always gone on. Now today is Palm Sunday, and I, I hope to, to to point some things to you uh, this morning. That it is the Sunday before Easter, and and Mark chapter eleven gives us an account of the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ and his return back into the city of Jerusalem. Understand that. Uh, when he leaves the city that he makes a very uh, clear, very clear reference that he would not return back into the city uh, until he heard them cry and blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Uh, they, they sang songs related to this Sunday. They, uh, this morning we, 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 we've already kind of been prepped for the message that I came this morning although we did not talk and plan uh, to do so yet everything's kind of flowed together uh, in, in one accord this morning. Uh, uh, the story here begins with two disciples that, that are going to look for a colt that Jesus told them would be waiting uh, for their arrival. Now, remember with me now that when Jesus leaves, he, he tells them you're going to have to get worship right. You're going to have to get praise right before I enter back into the city. And when I enter back into the city, you are going to be crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. And so now the time has come for Jesus to enter back into the city and he tells two of the disciples, go and, and I, I want you to find that you're, you're going to go into a city. You're going to come to a specific place. It's going to be a point where two ways met. Uh, when you get to this place where two ways meet, you're going to find a colt and it's going to be tied and you're going to loose the colt. And when you do, the people are going to ask, uh, well, why, why are you taking a, a, a colt that doesn't belong to you? Why are you loosing the colt? And, and when, when they ask you that, you, you are to tell them that the master hath need of the colt and then they're going to let you bring the colt to me. Now, uh, they, they must have wondered what, what this was all about as Jesus told them to go and, 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 and do this uh, extraordinary uh, out of uh, character 
kind of thing because none of the gospel accounts about the ministry of Christ ever mention him riding on any animal to get from one place to another. Uh, he, he must have walked hundreds of miles up and down the land that we now call the Holy Land. But, but there's no mention of Jesus ever riding except in a boat across the Sea of Galilee. But now he gives an unusual command to his disciples to go into a village and there in the village you're going to find a colt that has never been ridden and you're going to bring that colt it, it seemed like perhaps a strange command indeed. He, he even tells them the exact words that they are to use if anyone was to ask them the question. For the Lord hath need. The Lord hath need. That, that's all that you are to say. So it is obvious though that Jesus knew uh, what he was going to be facing when he entered into the city of Jerusalem. So his decision to go into Jerusalem must have been one of the most difficult things that he could have possibly done because understand with me that Jesus' entry into uh, the city of Jerusalem riding on a colt was very, very significant because indeed it was the beginning of the end for he was going to ride into the city on a colt and the people were going to recognize him as their king and when they do this, it's going to create an insurrection and the people, the, the, the leaders of the city, uh, the rulers are going to rise up and now they're going to take him and they're going to imprison him and they're, they're going to, to, to whip him and they're going to eventually uh, crucify him on the old rugged cross and, and, and then uh, he has to go through all that he is going through. So uh, it's obvious that Jesus, knowing that his time had come, now has sent them to get the colt and to bring the colt back to him. Now, on top of all of this, there is a lot that is transpiring in this text because for Jesus to ride into the city on a colt rather than to walk into the city as he had done many times before uh, was even a more difficult decision because riding on a colt into the city was a public declaration and the public declaration was that he was riding into town as a king. Now, now this is very interesting because history teaches us that in times of war, the conquering king would ride into town on a stallion, and it was a clear sign that that it was it was a time of war. But in times of peace, the king would ride into the city uh, on a colt, and it symbolized that peace 
had prevailed. Now, now watch all of this transpiring in this text because Jesus chooses not to ride into the city on a stallion declaring war, but he rides into town on a colt declaring peace because, well, he, he, he is the, the, the prince of Peace. So for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem upon a colt is, is, is declaring that he is the Prince of Peace, but even more because it is a symbol, it is, it is an action. Many people through the text wonder, well, why do they say that Jesus says that he is the king, uh, that he is the ruler, that he is the king of the Jews? Why would they put the plaque upon the cross? Why? would they declare that he is king of the Jews. Why? Because Jesus himself declared he was king of the Jews when he got on a colt and he rode into a city and, 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 and he, him riding on the colt made the statement once and for all. The concerning question was, how will people respond to this? So all through this text that we have chosen today to bring to you, there is, there is an interesting part of this, and it is the, the, the human nature versus the spiritual nature. It is the flesh versus the spirit. And thus, when the disciples go into the city and they look for the colt that Jesus had told them, they found the colt, and when they found the colt, they found the colt at a place where Two roads met. Where two ways met, they found the colt. And of course, if you look and read all through this text, everywhere you look, you continue to see the same thing, the decisions that must be made. Does Jesus ride the colt or does he ride the stallion? There was a decision. It was a road where two ways met. Does he walk or does he ride? It is a decision. It is the road where two ways met. So all through this, there is the issue of now how will people respond to all of this that has happened? Would they recognize his kingdom was not of this world and that it was a spiritual kingdom that Jesus in fact was not declaring an earthly kingdom. He was not declaring that he was the earthly king but rather he was declaring that he was the spiritual king. He is declaring to them not an earthly dominion but he is declaring unto them a spiritual authority and dominion. Thus he becomes the king's king because he is the king of all kings because he doesn't have earthly dominion but he has a spiritual authority and a spiritual dominion. So will they recognize him? Would they recognize his kingdom is not of this world? Uh, for three and a half years, Jesus had been teaching them about his kingdom that was to come. But for three and a half years, they, they did not understand him. They, he taught for three and a half years, and, and, and they didn't understand them. It, 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 it probably feels like a, a, a father of a, of a teenager, you know, when you've told them a half dozen times already. 
you've taught them and taught them and they seem to not understand. It was kind of in the, the, the point that Jesus was three and a half years of consistent teaching about a kingdom that was to come, telling them my kingdom is not meat and drink, but it is joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. And they, they, they have no understanding. They, they can't comprehend what he is saying to them. They're trying, but all of their thought process is captured in human reasoning of what I can do for myself, of what I need to do to make myself uh, okay, what, what, what I can do in the, the arena of human reasoning. And they're, they're not thinking of a spiritual reasoning. They, they, they are just thinking of what this means in the physical. It's, it's much like today we can come and say, well, I went to church on Palm Sunday and, and, and I know you're all going to return with guests next week and, and you're going to have, you're going to come and say, man, I was at church on Easter Sunday and we celebrated the risen Savior. We, but, but the truth is, is what we're going to celebrate next Sunday on Easter Sunday is it has it's we, we are celebrating the risen Savior, but it means nothing if all we're talking about is what happened two thousand years ago when He resurrected. But when we realize there is a spiritual application to my life, because I too can identify with Him in His death, I I, I died out to my sins in His burial. I I was baptized in Jesus. Name, but in his resurrection, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I have identified with him. Then Easter means something completely different. Because now I'm not just celebrating a historical account, but now I am celebrating a spiritual transformation. So for three and a half years, he's taught them. They haven't understood about his kingdom. Perhaps some of them would greet him with laughter. Maybe others would be amused by what Jesus is doing and mocking. Some, however, may think it was rather a ridiculous picture at all. The son of a carpenter himself being the king. Do you, do you see the comparison here? They, they saw him as the son of the carpenter, not as the son of God. They, 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 they had no issues. There, there never in Scripture was an issue with him being the son of a carpenter, but there was an issue with him being the son of God. We, we have no problem, most of us have no issue with knowing that Jesus can reign and rule over the matters of, of, of everyday life. We understand that he gives us our daily bread. We understand that, but that can we truly put into his hands the spiritual connection to everything that happens in the flesh, everything that happens here? Do we understand that unto him, unto God, he has given all spiritual dominion and authority and power, not only on the things of earth, but also of the things in heaven. That's why when 
when our abilities run out in the flesh and when things aren't going okay in the flesh, he gives us a joy that no tongue can tell. That's why I can walk through dark days of life, but I know that I have a home on the other side that is greater. There is not all in the here and now. It's not about an earthly kingdom. My bank account may be low, but my wealth is great because I didn't lay up treasures in the here and now, but I laid up treasures on the other side. It's the intersection of where two ways meet. The son of a carpenter declares himself a king. They're struggling. Perhaps some would think that Jesus was a lunatic living in a world of fantasy, imagine himself to be king. Perhaps others would greet him with anger. And, and, and all of these things that I'm mentioning this morning are going to happen over the next uh, few days of his life. Or he's going to be mocked and he's going to be spat upon. And he's, he's going to be ridiculed and they're going to speak things against him. And yet there's going to be some faithful followers that go all the way to the cross with him. There's going to be some that go all the way to the garden with him. There's going to be some that go all the way to the tomb with him. There's going to be some that's going to believe him after the fact when they see him in the city. So there is a lot happening in this text. And of course, there were going to be those that were going to hail him with joy, welcoming him as an earthly king. They would think that he had come and he was going to reestablish the throne of David and he was going to overthrow the Roman. Roman Empire. Understand, stay with me just for a few more moments and then we're going to go somewhere. I want you to understand that many of them were had heard Jesus teaching of establishing an earthly kingdom and, and, and they had been under the Roman Empire and under their rule and their authority and, and, and they were wanting to, to, to be brought out and delivered from this incredible, uh, this incredible uh, rule of the Roman Empire that was upon them, and they knew he was coming, and and maybe here on earth he was going to reestablish the kingdom of David, and Jesus was going to overthrow them, and now he is going to rule here in in the earth, and so they are eager, they're eager to crown him, uh, to place the crown upon his head, because a Again, he, 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 they were going to be able to leave free and no longer uh, under the overbearing burden of the Roman Empire. Thus why? That when they take him to the cross, uh, they mock him by placing the crown of thorns upon his head. It was all mockery of him. That's why they said, Hail, King of the Jews. They were mocking. Everything was a mockery because they thought that he was telling them of the earthly kingdom that he was setting up. They thought he was talking about that he was going to rule and reign in the city of Jerusalem and, and, and many were eager to embrace this but those in charge and, 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 and the Roman soldiers all knew, they, they, they all knew Jesus wasn't 
Jesus wasn't caught off guard as he looked around. He, there, there were people in the crowd that day. There were people that he had healed. And, and, and there were some uh, from the thousands that he had fed in his earthly ministry. Many of them had seen his miracles and, and listened as he had spoken with authority. They had listened and their lives had been changed by his words that he had spoken to them. Jesus knew all of this and, and, and he knew that just over the horizon was a cross that was looming like a wooden monster waiting for him. But, but Luke tells us that in spite of all of this that Jesus set his face steadfastly toward Jerusalem. If you want to know a power scripture in this text, there it is because Jesus knew what was going to befall him but he set his face steadfastly toward Jerusalem saying I know the purpose for which I have come and I understand the price that I am about to pay, but I also understand the redemption that I am about to provide that is going to be a redemption for all mankind. So as Jesus gets up on the colt and begins to ride. The Bible t- says it like this, and as they went, as he went, they spread their clothes in the way, and when he was come close, when he had come nigh, even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, he's coming down the Mount of Olives into the city. I can see it in my mind's eye. The whole multitude of the disciples uh, began to rejoice and, and, and begin to praise God with a loud voice. Luke 19 tells us and and, and, and they, they begin to praise him with a loud voice for all of the mighty works that they had seen saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The Jews thought that their deliverance day had finally arrived. They thought their king and their deliverer was riding to to take his crown and to set upon his earthly kingdom. They would overlook the lowly colt that he would ride in on for now. Surely the stallion was about to be revealed because the Roman yoke was about to be broken and God's kingdom was going to be set up upon the earth. Finally, the Jewish government would soon be once again in charge. Excitement would have charged the atmosphere around them as as all their dreams and aspirations began to look like that they were going to soon be true. The great conqueror was in their midst, but they didn't realize that his conquest was not in, in, in the earthly realm realm, but his conquest was of the spiritual realm and that his kingdom was not of this world, but his kingdom was of a heavenly world. In in the bliss of their misunderstanding or ignorance, they they were beside themselves. If if ever there was a time that people got excited and, and, and their praise service began to get outlandish, it was now as, as the procession now moves 
moves into the city, the crowd grew larger and larger as the, the, the praise and the glory and the singing and the chanting and the shouting as Jesus gets closer coming down from the Mount of Olivet now into the city streets. The people had lined the city streets. The disciples were there and had, had cheered the crowd on. They, they had been the cheerleaders up until now and now somebody reaches and they, they pull off their garment and, and, and when they get their garment off they, they, they take their garment and, and, and they say hey uh, Jesus is coming in we know that there's about to be a victory and, and, and they take their garment and they, they throw their garments down they, they, they begin to throw garments. I need some help here. Let's get some garments down here because Jesus is coming in to town. Some didn't have anything left to, to any more garments to throw down. And so they go and they find they find trees and they start cutting off branches. And, and they came and they begin to wave those branches. And Jesus is coming in. In other words, they were rolling out the red carpet, if you please. He's, they, they said, oh. You have to know what is going to happen in the physical realm. The Roman yoke is about to be broken and we're going to live as free Jews once again. But that's not at all what Jesus had in mind. They're out there giving a praise service and everything he was doing was pointing to what was supposed to happen when he arrives in the here and now. Come on somebody, you've got to understand what happens we often come to church and fail to recognize that he is wanting us to lay down a pathway for him to be able to enter. He's wanting us to make a highway for him to come in on so that miracles could happen. People could be set free. The people had a reason to praise. They were praising because they thought that the Roman Empire was being overthrown and the oppression was about to be released. These people were praising because of their hopes of escaping a physical bondage that they were living under. They were held captive by things that controlled them. I feel the Holy Ghost up in this place this morning. Somebody in this house came in and you're wondering what in the world. I need God just to break the yoke. I'm tired of living under this bondage. I'm tired of living under this yoke. I'm tired of being broke all the time. I'm tired of battling an addiction all the time. I'm tired of dealing with my emotions all the time. And the Lord has given us a pattern. It is a heavenly pattern that comes to earth you see there is an earthly pattern here that you see as though he comes in and the people throw down their garments and they wave their palm branches. I wish I had some to wave this morning. But as you can see it in your mind's eye today that there is a heavenly pattern that is being created here. What are you talking about, Pastor? Let me bring this complexity together and bring it real simple for you when you enter into the house of the Lord and people start looking at you saying why are they praising the way they are why are they clapping
happen the way they, they must be a bunch of crazy Pentecostals. They must be a bunch of people that, that, that are lunatic. They must have lost their mind. Jesus said, I'm setting a precedent in the earth then for the heavenlies into the future. That's why we come into the house of the Lord and we cry, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We prepare an avenue for the glory of God to come in. Because when he shows up, the yoke is going to be broken. Sin is going to be broken. That that has held you captive is going to be broken off. Addictions can be broken. And when the Son, therefore, has made you free, you are free indeed. He had come to give them freedom, okay? He had come to give them freedom from Satan's oppression, from Satan's rule in their heart and in their mind and in their spirit. What you see in this text is a heavenly pattern of what God wants to do in your life. I came to tell somebody today that it is not God's will for you to live in spiritual or mental oppression. It's not God's will for you to live another day bound by depression. I wish I had a preaching church in here this morning. It's not the will of God for you to live another day bound by the captivity of sin. But he came this morning and sent a preacher to this pulpit today to tell you, I have set a heavenly pattern before you. And if you will create an avenue of praise, if you will create, if you will enter into his thing, into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, I will show up. And when I show up, I will set the captive free. Maybe somebody showed up this morning bound by addiction, bound by fear, bound by sin. But I came this morning to tell you it's a Palm Sunday and God wants to set you free. Give me just a few more minutes in this same text. There were some that was rejoicing. <laughs> but then there were some. They were not rejoicing. They had reached the point of being critical of the emotionalism. Of being That always drives me up the wall. If it was my son that had been made free, I got a feeling that I'm going to rejoice. So therefore, if it's your son that's been set free, I want to rejoice with you. I don't want to be critical because I see that God broke the yoke off of your family member. So some, they, they became critical of all the excitement and the emotionalism and the people crying out. I mean, what else can you say? They threw garments down. They're waving palm branches. I mean, they are physically engaged in this. The Bible said they're crying out with a 
loud voice. They made much of a stir. There were people that heard them and came out and and, and joined in. Jesus had already told them, I'm not going to come back into this city until until your attitude toward my arrival. Jesus says, says, have I been so long with you, Peter? Have Have I walked among you so often that you have failed to understand who I am? I have a fear that the apostolic church has had miracle signs and wonders and the glory and presence of God show up so often that we have become so accustomed to it that we can come and sit through a service and act like it's no big deal when the presence of God comes. And so here's what he said. He said, I'm going to leave and I'm not coming back for a while because absent makes the heart grow fonder. And I'm going to let you live for a season without my presence so that when I decide that it's time to show back up, you're going to show the praise and worship that I am too. I wish Christian Life Church would understand what your pastor's preaching this morning. And we would say, hey, I don't have much, but I'm going to give what I have. I don't have much to offer, but I'll throw down whatever it is. I don't have much to offer, but I'll give a hallelujah. I'll give a hand clap. I'll lift my voice because I want to, I want Jesus to know you are welcome in this house. Just a few more minutes now. The struggle over worship is revealed in this text. He said they went their way and they found a colt tied by the door in the place where two ways met. Uh huh. When you entered this morning, some of you did not come with a predetermined disposition. You came this morning and said, if the song gets right, then I might engage. If the preacher gets right, then I might engage. But what I'm calling on the church for this morning is to get a predisposition about what God is wanting to do and going to do in this house. And you come in and say, there may not be anybody but me in this house that's going to worship, but I'm going to create an avenue for him to come in and come my life because my praise, your praise is not going to affect my praise. Your need is not going to affect my need. I need him so I'm going to praise him. I want him so I'm going to praise him. Let's see, if can you put that Mark 11... Can we get that Mark 11 on the screen really quickly? Mark 11, verse number 4. Now let's go to verse number 5. If not, pull it out on your device or your Bible really quickly. And certain of them that stood there, I'm not making this up in the text now, certain of them that stood there, they're not engaged, right? They stood there, And they said, what are you doing? But those that were engaged in doing what Jesus said, said, we're just doing. Verse number six, 
we're just doing what he commanded us to do. Can I preach to you just for a few more minutes? I know the hour's late. I know I've been preaching a while this morning. I won't be too much longer. But if you'll give me just a few more minutes today, I want to tell you some of us need to come to the house of the Lord. And when people start saying, well, I don't know about all of that. What's, what was all that hand clapping about? What was all that shouting about? What was all that dancing and worship about? What was all that singing about? I'm going to tell you, I'm just doing what he commanded. But see, you don't un I got to go. There was a group of nervous people that had assembled that day. Was it the Romans who feared the new king? No. Was it the demon possessed that he had delivered? No. Was it the hardened sinners that had been set free? No. But it was the religious Pharisees who came with the words and they said, Rebuke thy disciples. You tell those disciples, Jesus, you tell those disciples, this, this right here is ridiculous. You, you, Jesus, you tell those disciples, you get up here and pick that up right now. You don't act that way. You don't make a public display. You're just doing that to be seen, Pastor Daniel. You just, Chad, you just came up here because you want somebody to notice. Jesus, you tell them to come pick up their garments. And Jesus looks at them and he said, if these hold their peace, I will cause the very rocks to start crying out. Come on, CLC. Somebody in this house this morning needs to understand that our praise and our worship is not just hype. It's not just emotionalism. But the Lord said, I am looking for an avenue to come in on. And if, if you're going to hold your peace, I'll raise up some folks that'll give me praise. I'll raise up some people that'll magnify and give him honor. Come on, anybody in this house want to be a worshiper? Because you're the change agent. If you want to be a worshiper, you're the one that creates the avenue for Jesus to come in on. You're the one that creates the opportunity for your neighbor to be touched, for that life to be changed. Come on, anybody in this house want to be a worshiper? You may not be able to run like somebody else, but if I can't run, I'll walk. If I can't shout, I'll just, I'll lift my voice all I can. I may not be able to dance, but I'll clap my hands. I'm going to do whatever I can because I want to create an avenue for Jesus to come in on. Come on, if it's been a while since you worshiped him passionately, this Palm Sunday would be a good day to say I'm not worshiping you because of the healing in my body, but I'm worshiping you because of who you are. I recognize you for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not worshiping you to put money in my bank, but I'm worshiping you because you are worthy.
Come on, let's create an atmosphere for God to show up in this house. Come on, if it's been a while since you've worshipped God in an unusual manner, I dare you just to engage in that worship this morning. Praise Him in an unusual manner today. Just declare, I've come today. This may be unusual for me, but I'm walking to the front. It may be unusual for me, but I'm shouting unto the Lord today. Come on, create the avenue for Jesus to show up. Let's worship him all over this house right now. Come on, lift your voice. Don't depend on the music right now. I want you to lift up your voice. I want you to put your hands together. I want you to create the avenue for Jesus to operate and work in our midst today. where I wanted to get to. The idea is for us to create an atmosphere for Jesus to come in on. But where I want to get to this morning is some of you walk into this house today, you just thought you were just coming to church, but here's how I feel. I feel you have come to the point where two ways have met. Here is your opportunity this morning. If you have never given your heart to the Lord today, I want to tell you you're at the best place you could possibly be. You're at the intersection where God can change your life. You're at the place where two ways have met. Maybe you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. You're at a perfect intersection this morning. Maybe you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. You are at a, you're at a place where two ways meet. This could be your day. Come on, this could be your day. So I want to make an appeal. If there's anybody in this house this morning that would like to come forward and give their heart to the Lord afresh and anew, if you'd like to repent of your sins, if you've never been baptized but you want to be baptized, if you've never received the Holy Ghost but you want to receive the Holy Ghost, I want you to come forward this morning. I want you to come forward with faith and know this is the intersection where two ways have met and I want God to do for only what He can in my life. Come on now, let's create an atmosphere while somebody walks to the front of this room and makes that decision for the very first time. Come on, let's praise him this morning. Let's praise him today.
praise him with our voice this morning. Would you do that? Come on, praise him today. somebody else to pray for you maybe you were spiritually weak maybe your faith was weak maybe you were physically weak I remember my dad talking about being so sick that he could not pray for himself he said I was so weak I could not even physically get a word out but he said in my heart I would just I would pray with all I had and he said it meant so much when people would walk in where I was and begin to pray because they were doing what I was physically unable to do. Anybody ever been there at that point where you needed somebody to pray for you? Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray for every person that may be under the load, under the bondage, under sin has them so such a death grip on them. But we're going to pray. That is the prayer of intercessor. Of, of That is intercessory prayer, the prayer of an intercessor. We're going to pray right now that the Lord on our behalf moves because of our prayer that the Lord moves on their behalf. How many of you are ready to pray that kind of prayer this morning? Maybe we didn't pray for every need in the room. If you have a need this morning that, that you want God to intercede in, I want you to lift a hand real, real high. If you have a situation, you want the church to look around you, look for hands that are raised. Here's the whole idea. The whole idea of the praise and worship is because not everybody could do it, but when everybody came together and did it together corporately, imagine the atmosphere of praise and worship. What happens in prayer when people come together corporately and say, hey, I'm not by myself. I may not be the greatest prayer warrior, but when about eight or ten of us get together, we move heaven. We're going to pray that kind of prayer. We're going to pray that kind of prayer. I want you to pray for Sister Shauna this morning. I want you to join together. She needs a miracle in her life. I want you to pray for her right now in the name of Jesus. Other hands are raised all over this room. We're going to pray together. Now, if, you, if you're under that load today and you just need the prayers of the church to help, you need the anointing to break that yoke that is upon you, I want you to lift your hand today. 
Lift that hand real high in the name of Jesus. Reach over, take your neighbor by the hand or put a hand on a shoulder right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we come together with faith believing. God, we are trusting you. God, we are putting it all into your hands right now, God. Your word declares if one can put a thousand to flight, two ten thousand. Lord, I ask this morning that as we come together in agreement corporately, God, that heaven reaches down and touches earth. Lord, that the anointing breaks the yoke off of every individual. Lord, we unify together and we pray together. Lord, that you do a healing work in everybody. I pray right now, God, that you strengthen Sister Shana right now. You move to where she is and you touch her body right now. God, you move, Lord, right now and strengthen the seniors where they are right now. Every lifted hand right now, God, you're going to do it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, come on, lift up your voice and rejoice in the Lord today because he had given us the victory.